I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck S foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. So you're wanting your weekly dose of nerd culture? Well, you're not going to get it for the next four weeks, because this is Halloween. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, pumpkin scream in the middle of the night. This is Halloween. Stop that, stop that. Sorry. As I was saying, this is spooky season, and we're looking at all things bone chilling and horrifying. <laughs> Hello? Guys? That was... Uh, uh, Scott, Scott, I thought we fixed there. that from last week. I thought... I, 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 th- I thought you fixed it. I'm, I I'm, I'm fixed, gone for one... Fixed it. I'm gone one week and y'all let a demon in here? What, what, what the French toast? We no. needed something to do the intro with. Because and and he showed up and he had so you whipped out your Necronomicons, yeah. Uh huh. He had candy. It's okay. Oh, it's okay, John. It's okay. We we put salt on the door of the room that he's staying in, like put a salt line down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He he can't get out. He's just he's there to be recorded. Is there a devil's trap on the floor of the ceiling? Or I mean, come on. There's 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 stuff things. Right, Scott, you put the stuff in the things. Well, once again, I thought you did. I'm sorry. Oh God. Well, hello there. It's Obi John Kenobi, and I'm back as your host uh, because I can't leave these guys unattended without adult supervision. Because suddenly now Satan's doing the intro. Uh, but that was our amazing new Halloween intro. Uh, thanks, guys. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so yes, like the creepy voice on the intro said. This is Halloween. This is spooky season. And for the next four weeks, well, I guess it's this week and then two more weeks, you'll be getting lots of spooky content because spooky season is our favorite time of the year here on the show. So with that being said, I want to get right into today's show because I want to get into it. It's going to be fun uh, before we jump into this. Well, actually, no, hold on. I'm going to make it up as we go. This is going to be fun. If you're a longtime listener, you might remember this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it a bit, but you might remember this segment. We did this years ago, back when the show was still called Talk Nerdy to Me, and it was myself and Chris and other Chris. Uh, and we're dusting it off and bringing it back because I think it's a really fun concept that we're going to have a great time with today. If you're a kid of a certain age, you remember the book series Choose Your Own Adventure uh, because they were everywhere. You couldn't escape them. Uh, I believe the company started in the 70s. It ran through the 90s to the early 2000s. It went under. Somebody else bought the name, brought it back. It's back. You can go on Amazon right now and get your own. Choose your own adventure book. They're awesome. Uh, But did you know there's also a subset known as Choose Your Own Nightmare? (gasps) I know. So that's what we're doing this week. We are going through Choose Your Own Nightmare Blood Island by Liz Windover. 
uh, I believe this is from 2014. Um, illustrations by, hold on, Gabor Utomo. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, this is owned by Choose Co. LLC. We did not write this. We do not own this. We are not in any way, shape, or form making money off of it. We're just going to enjoy it. So here's how today is going to work. We're going to read through our copy of Blood Island. I'm going to start as your narrator. And we have, playing our plucky young heroes, my right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd and taught nerdy to me, our first participant, ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. <laughs> I am ready to accept the challenge. How, how do you get the salt? Scott, this salt didn't wait, work. wait, hang on, wait, wait. Sorry, I got I got foggy there for a second. What happened? I, I don't know. Something that was weird. This is why you don't make packs with demons for candy. It's but it was good. it was good candy. <laughs> was it full size candy bars at least? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Skills. Well. Uh, no, all right. Well, now you're talking. Wait. Wait. Lime or green apple? Both. It's a surprise. No, mm, no, see, no. I, I wouldn't have taken that deal. What, what hey, Scott. Fuchsia strawberry. Uh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yes. Fun yes. Commander Scott. Yes. Now demon free. Now demon free. For the moment. Anyway, but yes, I am. I am here. I am rallied. I am clear headed ish and i am ready to choose my own nightmare excellent yes any nerd facts for us before we start well, today uh so uh sorry we're so far off the rails of our normal yep. oh yeah kind of thing um my my whole prompting is just just messed up um uh <laughs> but anyway as far as a nerd fact goes uh something uh, uh, popped up uh, once again on my feed because I have a lot of feeds and, and I have a lot of people that I follow that are just like they, they bring me random nerd stuff you know because I follow a lot of PhDs and, and things of that nature because I'm I'm me and, and that's the type of content that I like but uh, this this one popped up so I, there, there's a gentleman who has he's okay so I'm sorry. He's like from uh, uh, the, the the he lived in the 12th century. Okay, and he is famous for his flatulence. Puma still, of the Serengeti. Oh. <laughs> he is still remembered today as Roland the Farter. Okay. Now we know of Roland. Okay, um, because he is listed uh, in the uh, uh, 13th century English Liber uh, Theodorum, which is uh, Latin for the Book of Fees. Uh, it was basically um, a transcript and rearrangement enhancement of a medieval text, uh, which is a listing of feudal land holdings or Fiefs or fees, I think is it, it, we would pronounce it fiefs or fiefdoms, uh, but in Middle English it would have been pronounced fees. Uh, and 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 this this text was compiled around the year 1302, um, but he's also mentioned in some earlier records because you know this is in multiple volumes uh, over the years. Uh, it's a collection of about 500 written brief notes made between 1198 and 1292 concerning fees 
held in capita or in chief. Um, and um, basically, uh, um, uh, he was a, a medieval flatulist. Once again, from 12th century England. Roland the Farter's given name was George. He was given Hemingstone Manor in Suffolk and 30 acres, or at the time 12 hectares, of land in return for his services as a jester for King Henry II. Each year he was obliged to perform the Unum Saltum et Stiflitum et Unum Bublubum. Bumbulum. Sorry, I'm not good at pronouncing that last word, which is roughly, it's Latin, roughly translated to one jump, one jump and whistle and one fart for the king's court at Christmas. So he was so good at farting on command that he was given land, a title, and a manor house, all from his ability to fart. And we still remember him today because of his flatulence. I I don't I, that just amazes me that that apparently the King Henry the Second of England just you know love fart jokes that much. <laughs> yes, and today we call that person um, Paul Blart Malkop. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that popped up, and I'm like, I don't know if that's worthy of halloween season or not i'm trying to find stuff that is but i couldn't pass it up so well there you go uh, kids uh command your flatulence and you too can be a lord and have a manner was <laughs> scott i just need to know was yeah. his was his lordship title as count was he a count um it actually does not list a title that he was given he was just given lands um so that one i cannot attest to sorry all right. Well, that third voice you're hearing. Oh, sorry. You got a joke coming? <laughs> I lost up? my connection. Yeah, I had a, I had a joke and then I lost my connection. Uh, uh, Scott, was he a count? No. Oh my uh, god. Not, once third, again, lost not, him again. Not that third I'm aware. times. Third times the charm. Okay, let's give it a shot. Go ahead. <laughs> Scott, was he a count? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. <laughs> Clearly this joke is so terrible the internet doesn't want to hear it, so we're gonna move on. <laughs> that third voice desperately trying to get the setup for his payoff, ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a DeLorean, if his Wi-Fi stays connected, it's the doc. <laughs> Was he a count? <laughs> The world may never know. <laughs> because if he was a count, he could be Count Flatula. There it is. Wow. Well, yeah. was it, was it uh, worth all that setup? Uh, I don't you know. decide, audience. I'm, I'm going to hit a button and see if we get the yep. cricket. Hang on. Nope. We didn't get the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I really, I got, I really got to label those buttons. Yep. Okay. So, 
we're all here. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to start as a narrator. I'm going to blow through a few pages of setup here. And then every time we come to a decision, these guys will decide which way to go. We'll then carry on. When, inevitably, we reach some kind of death or horrible bodily injury, one of them will flip a coin or whatever, argue amongst themselves and figure out who's going to die. The person who dies then takes over as a narrator and will rotate through and see how many of the 15 endings we can get through in Choose Your Own Nightmare of Blood Island. Everybody with me? Everybody get this? Any questions, comments, concerns? I, I am jiggy with it. That's what I wanted to hear. I'm, Has everyone I'm, potty? Jay, once we start, we're not turning around again. I'm concerned that my internet has has dropped this call five times already and we haven't even really started the book so let's see how this goes all right follow along at home kids page one (coughs) that's all it says it's a weird first page (coughs) you're not gonna you're not gonna read the beware and warning this book is different from other books you and you alone are in charge of what happens in this story no? Okay. Well, why are you stopping? Keep going. Hey, doing well. Okay, get do it. Third paragraph, Jay. Did we lose him again? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There are yeah. dangers. No, I'm not going to read it. It's a choose your own adventure book. You know how it works. Here we go. Page one. <laughs> we'll cut around that. Hey, I'm back. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> We're not cutting around that. That's just too good. Nope. Uh, you grip the cool white railing at the stem of Albatross 3, the ship you'll be uh, you'll be leaving. Sorry, start that over again. Ship you'll be living for the next three weeks. Gleaming, The gleaming boat pulls away from dock with a honk of her horn, and you take a deep breath to settle your nerves. You're leading a team of research scientists on a trip to investigate a species of giant flightless bird, the crested azabil. I can't say Absolutely. that last word, so we're just going to call it the big-ass peacock. <laughs> Which was once Absolutely. presumed extinct. It will take five days to sail from San Francisco to a remote island. We're not going to... I don't like that. Uh, we're, we're researchers from a university, Scott. What university should we be from? There's one correct answer to this. I think we should come from uh, Miskatonic. Nailed it in one. So we're not leaving from San Francisco. We're, we're leaving from where, Scott? We are leaving from... Um... Oh, <laughs> crap. Uh, the my, New my, England-ish my, area? Yeah, yeah, the New English-ish area. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, to sail from the New English-ish area to a remote island in the Pacific Ocean, where the giant peacock was recently sighted. <clears throat> You're nearly finished with your degree in zoology, and if you can find the bird, the discovery could make your career. There are 11 other young scientists with you from the university, plus 10 crew members. If you keeping track at home like a weirdo. Are they are, are, the are, are they all are they all young impressionable interns that I can manipulate? Because <laughs> of the not implication, that, right? Because you're on a boat. Kind of adventure. <laughs> uh, it's not, but we're gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. As the ship makes a wide turn and the uh, glides smoothly beneath the Golden Gate Bridge, which is not the Golden Gate Bridge because we're not over there, uh, we changed our starting location. You see your friend Andrea come up from below deck. Oh, <clears> All right, here we go. Here we go. I bet mm-hmm. it did smooth yeah. gently beneath yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge. Sorry, Andrea. Hey, you wave. I wondered where you were hiding. <clears throat> Had to scope out the ship first, she says. Oh. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Andrea is another student in your department studying extinct species of the Pacific Islands. 
That's not all she's studying. Were you able to find why our destination is called Blood Island, you ask? <laughs> not yet, Andrea says. All I know is we'll be there in five days. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> no, Can you no believe it? For Andrea. <laughs> we could be the ones to prove that the giant peacock isn't ex- extinct after all. <clears throat> I know, you say, grinning. It would be great, but I still don't understand how the giant peacock, a prehistoric species, could be living on an island that formed from a volcano so recently. Well, Andrea says, that's what the geologists say, but I'm not so sure. I think it's just an excuse for why no one's discovered the island before now. Well, I guess we'll find out in five days, huh? You say, turning to look across the ocean, stretching endlessly in front of you, completely oblivious to Andrea's uh, 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 coming on to you. Mm-hmm. Turn to the next page. <laughs> Is it just me, or does Andrea sound suspiciously like Jessica Rabbit? I'm fine with it. You hush Wait, your hole. You're what? You're what? I'm jiggy with it, and you Wait. hush your hole and stop <laughs> breaking. Stop breaking. <laughs> I'm yeah. concentrating what? here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm close. You're Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was that... No, no, we're still, we're still, we're still uh, however many ten days out. Four <laughs> days later, um, after dining. You're sitting in the dining cabin with Andrew reading uh, about Mayo Nalo, a giant extinct duck, in your brand new copy of the photographic field guide to Hawaii's most exotic birds. The atmosphere in the cabin is rowdy and warm. You're supposed to reach land tomorrow, and people are getting excited. I bet they are. Can you believe Glenn beat me at chess again today? Andrea laments, glaring at Glenn across the room. I used to think I was pretty good. You look up from your book just in time to see Glenn put Natasha into checkmate. <laughs> uh, eliciting a round of whoops and cheers. It's a rowdy boat. <laughs> then out of the kitchen comes Mac, one of the ship's cooks. The two of you have become friends over the past few days. He's a little older than you and grew up in Hawaii. What's up, Mac? You ask. <clears throat> Who wants to read Mac? You wanted oh. to know more about Blood Island? What, 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 hang on. Why is Mac not uh, 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 Latino? Hawaiian? You wanted to know more about Blood Island? There we there go. You go. There you go. Cooper, the other kitchen guy, has followed Mac over to your table. Ask Ernie, Cooper says. He knows. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Jeez. Yep. Ernie is one of the deckhands. He's so weather-beaten, he looks about 90 years old. He's sitting at the next table at Cooper's words. He turns his kindly face towards you. Uh, Blood Island is cursed, he says quietly. That's all wrong. (laughs) Blood Blood Island is cursed. This chest is cursed. That hat is cursed. Sorry. Few of the others in the room have stopped what they were doing and are listening in. Jay. That's what, Mac. What there you, you go. What do you mean, cursed? Curses aren't real. Never look into the eyes of the ones you kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so wrong. Oh, this one is, Ernie says, matter of factly. A lot of people died there a long time ago. The people who settled the island and sailors, too. No one really knows how because no one has ever lived to tell the tale. Ernie takes another bite of beef stew. So no one has lived to tell the tale, but there are settlers on the island who continue to live there? I'm confused. Hold on. And Ernie takes a bite stew. of beef stew. Beef stew. But I'm shooting things. It's not called Blood Island for nothing. <laughs> what did you see? 
asks Glenn, who has moved closer to hear the conversation. You know, I heard that the last research team, the ones that reported seeing the giant peacock, they're all in a psychiatric ward now. Ernie doesn't look up from his bowl. He shrugs his shoulders and nods his head, but doesn't say anything further. <coughs> uh, who was Cooper? Do we have Cooper? That was Jay. Jay do Cooper. Uh, what? Well, believe what you want. Line. Wait, Cooper. Co- he's the Cooper here. Oh, God damn it. Coop, I know you all have work to do out there, but I'm not setting foot off this boat. Cooper, smart man. You and Andrea and Mac exchange glances. As a scientist, you form your opinions based on facts, not rumors. And you certainly do not believe in curses. Still, Ernie's story leaves you feeling uneasy. Oh. That night, sleep comes slowly. You finally drift off with the rocking of the boat. The next thing you know, you hear a thunderous bang! And you're thrown from your bed. What was that? You run up on deck. The wind is whipping and the waves are roaring. Through the ship's bright lights, you see rain coming down in thick sheets. Get back inside, someone shouts. It's Andrea and Mac. They're behind you, holding on to the doorframe and squishing against the blowing rain. The ship begins listing to one side. Squishing, huh? <laughs> it might be squinting. Anyway, you must be taking on water. <laughs> then you look overboard into the waves and see an enormous whirlpool right next to the ship. It's a few hundred feet across and spinning with a violent force. The center goes so deep. <laughs> The center goes so deep. No, I just want to make sure I was reading that right. Uh, you can't see the bottom. A huge wave slams the deck, soaking all three of you to your skin. You've got arms wrapped around the railing, but you still almost lose your grip. You look into the whirlpool of the spinning, swirling, rolling, green, black water is hypnotic. You realize with a lurch of your stomach that Albatross 3 is getting closer to the vortex. You the might Albatross be past the point of no return. Lost. The Albatross would be lost. I'm getting weird buzzing. Is that Jay? No. Scott? What? Okay. It's gone now. <laughs> the ship keeps, t- uh, keeps tilting, <laughs> keeps picking up speed until you're nearly sideways against the vortex's inner wall. Your body is pressed against the deck from the center. <clears throat> cent- mm, from the, the force. From the force. Uh, the wind shrieks like a chorus of people screaming for help. Or is that actually a chorus of people screaming for help? You can't think straight. The pressure of the spin becomes too great. Your eyes roll back into your head. The world dissolves into a gray vacuum, then into a silent black hole. You awake with a mighty cough, spewing out seawater. You blink your eyes open and see a sky smudgy uh, with dark gray clouds. Your head is pounding in pain and your arms are weak. You manage to sit up. You're on a long, wide beach, bordered by jungle. A lumpy, lush mountain, shrouded in spectral mist, towers beyond the tree line. Its top is obscured by clouds. The whole scene is dark. Even the sand beneath your feet is dark gray, almost black. You wonder if it's volcanic? You look at your watch, a cheap digital one you bought just before the trip. You're surprised to see the seconds still ticking by dutifully. The time says 1.37 a.m. This is impossible given the fact that there's light in the sky right now. You wipe your forehead and see blood smeared on your hand. At a loud... At a loud clattering sound, you swirl across the sea to see remnants of the Albatross 3 strewn across the sand. 
and Andrea emerging from the wreckage. Hey, she made it so far. Andrea, are you okay? What happened? Andrea stumbles over some debris toward you. Yes, I'm fine. Her shirt sleeve is badly torn and her lip is cut. In like a sexy way. What happened, you ask again? I think I passed out. Me too, she says. Last thing I remember is being... Oh, God, I have to say this. Last thing I remember is being sucked into the hole in the ocean. She gestures helplessly behind her at the ruined ship. It's lying on one side. The hole is cracked into random shafts of splintered wood and metal lay there here and there. But there are about a bunch of random shafts. Where is everyone, you ask, afraid of the answer? Andrea grimaces and shakes her head, but doesn't meet your eyes. You both begin to walk the perimeter of the wreck. As you come around the other side, you hear a loud groan and see a bulky shape of Mac struggling from underneath the piece of metal sheeting. He looks disoriented. His eyes focus in and out of your face before he sighs deeply and stumbles over to grab you both in a big hug of relief. Hey, look, Andrea says, looking over Mac's shoulder when he lets go. He shifts a piece of the wreckage, revealing a bright red canvas bag. Mac drags it to the beach and opens it. It's an emergency kit containing 30 or 40 energy bars, it's very specific, some flare guns, a couple of two-way radios, a compass, matches, and a flashlight. Everyone keeping track of that? You realize you're starving, so you'll all grab a few energy bars and sit down to eat them in the sand. So now you have 27 to 37 energy bars. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. I'm glad you're mathing. What should we do, you say? It's getting dark and must be evening. Your energy bar tastes weirdly flavored like cardboard. We should find <clears throat> sorry. We should find water, Andrea says, absentmindedly pouring a handful of sand into her feet. Jay, this is the Mac line. You ready? Gotta find some place to sleep. Somebody he's looking Mac adds, he's looking out at the ocean <laughs> as if he'll find the answers there. You keep getting a weird feeling like someone is watching you. Your scalp prickles. Your body has jumpy feelings of anticipation. You look over your shoulder again at the dark jungle, but you don't see anyone or anything. Just a thick wall of leaves and vines. The island is supposed to be uninhabited, but still. Andrea finishes her energy bar and stands up. I really think water should be priority number one, she says. We're all dehydrated, I'm sure of it. Jay, Macline. What? Macline. Oh, sorry, I lost you. Page 10, max line, towards the bottom of the page. Yeah. I'm definitely not going into those trees right now. God, if it's getting dark. Mac announces, shaking his head. Andrea sighs and looks at you. What do you think we should do? Okay, Ooh. I know that was a lot. So here we go. Our first decision, guys. If you decide to build a shelter first, turn to page 13. If you decide to find water first, turn to page 52. Guys. Where see, are we going? Well, see, now that, now that kills me because we, we have we have the, the, the primary protagonists, Andrea and Mac, right? We got three characters. Right? Well, arguably, you're the protagonist, but yes. Yeah, yeah, but there's three characters. There's the protagonist, mm -hmm. there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's Andrea, and there's Mac. Well, mm -hmm. why, why can't we split up? Why can't, like, one person start building the shelter and, like, two people go to find water? It's, it's, well, it's just... Scott. That you know. might be what happens, but you need to decide what are you going to do. Um, uh, my I, my argument, Scott, would be to go find water because I think one of us might die. <laughs> Sorry. 
So water's gonna go find. I think if we go find water, we will end up dying, a gruesome death. So I say, let's go find water. Oh, I see. You're 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 seeking the death. That's what it is. All I'm saying is this entire story is like 109 pages, and there's 15 deaths in there. So, uh, you know what? Fine. Let's go find some water. Let's 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 go find water. I'm fine okay. Jumping to page 52 with a great illustration of you guys trekking through the jungle and some snakes. So not at all put off by the snakes. That's fine. <clears throat> only one snake. Can I, Sorry, can I, Mac. Go ahead. I was going to say, can I lick the frog? It's probably one of those hallucinogenic ones. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. you know, uh, uh, look, look. Uh, it's going to give you certain decisions to make, Scott. But if you want to make additional side decisions, I won't stop you. So while you're looking for water, if you want to lick the frog to see if it's hallucinogenic, I won't stop you. I'm Yay! Not, I'm not going to say like I'm just going to say this that the main protagonist wearing the hoodie, his hand is in a very strange position, pointing uh-huh. towards Andrea. Yeah, no, so, we know what he's going for. Mm-hmm. That snake isn't the only one in the jungle right now. There, there might be one in the trousers. Anyway, sorry, Mac. I'm with Andrea on this one. You say, and I don't think anyone should go in there alone. Jay, Macline. Okay. He says. He with says some with some dismay. dismay. Yeah. I'll stay here and figure something out. He looks at the wrecked ship. Good luck. You and Andrew each grab a bucket from the pile of wreckage and head towards the jungle. That was awfully convenient. Uh, the sun is almost at the horizon. Andrea steps into the shade. Sorry, though a slight break in the vines. Through a slight break in the vines. And you follow right behind her. Right on behind her. You have... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. This writer knows what they're doing. Hold on. Damn it. Sorry. Sorry. Through a slight break in the vines, you follow right behind her. You have to whack your way through about 20 yards of dense jungle. But once you are under the bigger trees, things open up. It's cool and spacious under the canopy. The tree trunks are huge, and the vines are thick as your arm. Moss covers almost every surface. You smell the moisture in the air. And hear a steady chorus of animal sounds, birds whistling, insects ticking, and a monkey hooting rhythmically in the distance. So what they're saying is... Don't be shy. What they're saying is things open up once we get past the initial bush. Yes. Hack through the bush, get through the moisture, and things will open up. Yep. (laughs) This rider knows what they're doing. (laughs) I can hear water, you say, as soon as you pick out the familiar trick trickling gurgle from the other sounds you're right andrea says slowing down and cocking her head where is it you've been following a faint path it's narrow but there's a visible trail on the spongy forest floor where someone or something has walked many times before what do you think uses this path you ask in a low voice oh anything maybe the monkeys Andrea says, I'm starting to question that she's a college student, sounding distracted as if it didn't matter. Yeah, monkeys use a trail. Uh, You think it matters very much. You look behind you, thinking you hear a stick snapping. And when you turn back, you see you've reached a fork. Hmm, Andrea says, squinting into the trees. What do you think, right or left? Or maybe we should split up and double our chances of success. Or failure, you say. The right path seems to head straight into the an, espe- 
straight into an especially dense thicket of trees. The left curves way up a slight hill. You don't see any obvious advantage to either option. So here we go. Decision number two. Oh, if you I, decide. I, sorry. If you decide to split up, go to page 55. If you decide to take the right path together, go to 64. If you decide to take the left path together, go to 72. Guys. Uh, oh, I, I, I say we most definitely split the party. Yeah, splitting up is definitely the best way to splitting lose. Splitting up people. is, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah. It's almost there, ensured death yeah, there. there. There is nothing safer than splitting the party. I'm, I'm tell you, right? <laughs> Everybody knows that in a horror movie, you split up for your best chances of survival. Well, I, I've been playing D&D and stuff for, for, you know, many, 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 many years. And, and the first thing you do, any chance you get, is to split the party. So I say let's do that. All right. All right. Splitting the party. Uh, if you decide to split up, go on to page 55. Here we go. Page 55. Maybe we should split up, you say, looking between the two paths helplessly because you've never played D&D before in your life. And this sounds like a good idea. It's going to be dark soon. Even better. And we don't want to waste any more time. Moron. Look at the red shirts. <laughs> okay. Andrea takes a deep breath. Just... Be careful. Don't go off the path. You nod and give her a small smile. Then you turn. and That's it? Small smile? Okay. Uh, you turn and set off down the right path into the dense jungle. Let's meet back here in five minutes. Sorry, I did the wrong one. Let's meet back here in five minutes, she calls after you. Okay. You shout over your shoulder. <laughs> Apologies. Gotta quit smoking. As soon as Andrea is out of sight, you regret your decision to split up. <laughs> one by one, the birds stop their cheerful noises. You hear your own heavy breathing. A breeze picks up and you hear a rustling. You aren't sure if it's the wind or something more sinister. You can't hear the trickling water anymore. Did you take the wrong turn somewhere and veer off the path? You decide, uh, you, you decide to just go back to the fork and wait for Andrea. You definitely hear the snap of a stick at your back. And you whirl around. Nothing is there. You feel a surge of adrenaline. Your heart pounds and it's hard to breathe. Your neck prickles and you whirl around again. Nothing is there. You realize you're gripping the handle of the bucket so tightly it's cutting your palm. You start retracing your path, stepping slowly and carefully. You feel a drop of water fall on your face. Rain, you think. But as you rub the raindrop from your cheek, it feels wrong. You look down, and your hand is streaked with blood. Horrified, you look up into the tree above you, but nothing is there. You run. Roots catch your waterlogged shoes, and vines whip at your face. You're sure you hear something behind you, but you dare not look back. Suddenly, the path disappears. You skid to a halt and turn around to find where you veered off. But all you see are trees and vines and ground cover in a uniform circle around you. No path at all. Andrea! You shout. You know you're lost. Andrea! Your throat burns from yelling so loudly. You swallow hard, fighting your fear. Adrian! Yep, Wait, nailed sorry. it. It's so good. <coughs> That's what you heard, Barnes. <laughs> um, 59. Yeah, just like that, Jake. Good job. Something moves through the trees in front of you. You stand as still as a statue until you can see it clearly. 
A man in a blood-stained t-shirt stands 50 feet away. He has a metal bar protruding from one ruined eye socket and out the back of his head. His face is covered in dark blood. Your own head spins and your breath is shallow. This can't be real, you think, in a wave, in a wave of nausea. <laughs> you yell again. <laughs> the man vanishes in front of you. Then you feel something at your back. The heat of something almost touching you. You turn and see the man right behind you, glistening with blood. There is something familiar about him, but the stake through the eye is so horrible you can hardly look. You're frozen with fear, but maybe he's not going to hurt you. Then again, if he wanted to help you, why is he still standing there like a zombie? All right, boys, decision time. If you speak up and ask the zombie man what he wants, or you can take the offensive and hit him with your bucket. I say we talk to him. You know, let's let's be let's be um, diplomatic about this, Scott. I mean, dude's got a metal bar in his eye socket, protruding at the back of his head. I say clock him with the bucket. Oh, we definitely we need to talk to him. I feel like he's familiar to us. He might be our friend. He might be like friend. Help get water. I that's what I think. Yeah, I'm going clocking with the bucket. All right, let's clock him with the bucket. Clock him with the bucket. Clock him with the bucket. Here we go. <laughs> Pardon me. You clench the bucket handle in both fists and swing as hard as you can in a wide arc, smacking him hard right in the face. Uh, Scott, need you go ahead and roll for me? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Wrong game. Sorry. Uh, he steps backwards a bit in surprise, but doesn't fall over. He must have superhuman strength. <laughs> you hadn't counted on that. You throw the bucket in his face and turn and run as hard as you've ever run before. Your panic has taken over completely, and you pay no attention to where you're going. You're sure that any moment you'll feel his iron grip on your shoulder, but instead you find yourself tumbling head over heels down a steep embankment. You land hard on your back. The wind is knocked out of you. You try to sit up and notice your leg won't move. Actually, it, it hurts. It really, really hurts. You prop yourself up on your elbows just as the thick black snake coils around your leg. <gasps> the enormous snake has patterned scales on its back, gleaming blood red in the twilight. You see a blood dark bite mark around your ankle. You can no longer feel your foot. Your leg feels like it's on fire and the heat is creeping up into your thigh. Now, your abdomen the venom is spreading. You grit your teeth. The slithering thing advances, now inches away from your face, and flicks its forked tongue, tasting your fear. Delirious, you flick your tongue back at it. Its cloudy eyes blink once, slowly, and then you feel the white, hot sting of fangs sunk into the tender flesh of your neck. But only for a second. See, I told you diplomacy, Scott. Y'all are dead! You got killed by a snake, and now I'm going to have nightmares. Thank you. All right, hang on. I rolled a 16. That's not going to be the snake, sorry. Well, you didn't give me time to dice out. You didn't warn me I needed dice, so it took me a minute to get my dice out. Yeah. All yep. right. So here's what we have to decide. How many decisions back do you want to go? One. One? Okay. 
You just want to talk to the zombie now? We also have to decide which one of you died. Well, I was the one that decided to clock him with the bucket. So Okay. So Scott died. Scott is now taking over as the narrator. And we are going to speak up and ask the zombie what he wants on page 57. All right. So we're going to page 57, right? Yep. All right. Let's see if I can do it. <laughs> What what do you want? As you stutter. Who are you? The man hasn't moved. He's just standing there. No more than ten feet away. You force yourself to look back up at his face. Glenn? You shout in horror. Glenn was your classmate at the university. He was on the ship with you. You peer at his bloody face, still half hidden in shadow. Could it really be him? Then you hear his unmistakable voice in your head as if he's speaking directly into your brain. Don't be afraid. Don't run. Uh, 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 are you okay? Open the pod bay. Are you okay? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Sorry. Okay. sorry, wait, sorry. How did you get on a spaceship, Jay? What page are you on? <laughs> uh, uh, are you okay? You ask aloud, aware of how stupid that sounds. <laughs> Only a flesh wound. <laughs> I'm not. But it doesn't matter now, his voice says. I didn't make it through the shipwreck alive. You, Mac and Andrea, were the only ones. Your heart falls at these words. Listen, he says, the island does have a curse. The rumors were all true. You're smart. I always thought you were. So use your head. Don't do anything stupid. Do you... it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you have to make it off this island alive. But how, you ask, hopelessly. I'm lost. I don't even know how to find my way back to the beach. Glenn's ghost steps sideways and points. A hundred yards away, you see Andrea standing, hands on her hips, looking around. She's waiting for you, he says. <laughs> Be careful, Glenn says forcefully, and then he steps backwards into the shadows and disappears. You take off through the underbrush toward Andrea. Andrea, you call as you get nearer. There you are, she says, exasperated. That was more than five minutes. Any luck? I don't know why my Andrea suddenly became British. Hey, it's fine, man. It's okay. It's a reboot. It's all good. This is this is this is the sequel, so you know there's some recasting. It's fine. Uh, that was way more than five minutes. Any luck? Uh, not really. You? You say? Me neither. I turned back almost to uh, turn back almost right away. I was too afraid of getting lost on my own. Uh, should you tell her about Glenn? You still can't believe what just happened, and while you're dying to say something, she might think you're crazy. Maybe you should just look for water on the other path, as far away from Glenn's ghost as you can get. So, gentlemen, should you tell her about Glenn's ghost? If so, we will go to page 63. If you keep your mouth shut and stay away from that part of the island, we're going to go to 72. What say you? I, I say we're trying to get in her pants, so let's keep our mouth shut. No, 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 Jay. If we're trying to get in her pants, honesty, you know, open, share information. 
and win those hearts and minds. So, so, so don't tell her. Got it. No, no, do tell her. I, I don't think we should tell her. I think, I think we should just keep it to ourselves. All right, are we rolling for it? Hold on, hold on. Whose idea was it to hit the 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 zombie with the bucket? That was me. All right, we'll go with Jay then. We'll go with Jay. He won't tell her. <laughs> so we're keeping our mouth shut, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we'll we'll see what Jay's instincts get us. 72, everybody. Everybody who's following along. You point up the hill to the left. Let's head up there. We'll have a better view of things, uh, including <laughs> water sources, you say. All right. Andrea says, lead the way. You climb and climb following the trails, but you never reach a spot with a view. The trickling water sound fades in and out, and you wonder at times as if you're imagining it. Eventually, the trees open up and you reach a clearing at the base of the mountain. Uh, it is steeper and more magnificent up close. Your eye is drawn to the dark, yawning mouth of a large cave. You and Andrea approach it in silence. When you stand in the entrance, you guess the ceiling must be 40 or 50 feet above you, like the vaulted ceilings of a Gothic cathedral, and it continues deep into the earth for hundreds of yards before disappearing into the darkness. The walls are made of a rough ivory stone, streaked with rust-red horizontal lines. Wow! Sorry. <clears throat> wow! Look at this! Andrea says in a low voice, even now though my is very excited and exasperated. She examines the wall of the cave. You realize the rust-red markings covering the cave walls are actually paintings. You see images of the mountains and of animals, birds, fish, some sort of four-legged creature. There are clear uh, representations. Yeah. <laughs> there are clear representations of water and even human beings, of houses, of plants, trees, ships, and with helmets? Swords? It's really hard to make out of the darkness. And they continue on deep into the cave where no light shines. This is incredible, Andrea says. We have to come back here tomorrow when there's more light. Shh, you say suddenly, I hear water. And the sound of rushing water is coming from deep inside the cave. You walk a little further and you find a stream of fresh water cutting a path through the stone floor of the cave, an underground spring. You fill your buckets. We'll come back to... Sorry. They need to put the, the Andrea says before you know the thing. It's almost like this should be written as a script and not a book. I know. Weird, right? <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow with Mac, Andrea says. Uh, when, you, uh, when you return to the beach, you see that Mac has constructed a rough little lean-to from the wreckage. He has also built a small fire and is sitting in front of it eating another energy bar. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my best here, Jay. Sorry. Just just in the, the interest of continuity. Yeah, I, was, I was starting to worry about you, too. He's <laughs> standing up. Andrea. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> we come here water, she says triumphantly. And you just have to come back with us tomorrow to see what else we found. You ease down into the front of the fire and try to relax as Andrea tells Mac all about the cave paintings. You're no longer hungry or thirsty, and you're suddenly exhausted. You think about home and feel a twinge of sadness. 
you wonder if anyone knows about your shipwreck. Surely you wonder if Andrew needs help keeping warm tonight. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I think we're on two different books. Uh, surely a rescue crew must be looking for you already. The island is big enough to be and seen stop from calling the... me Shirley. <laughs> the island is big enough to be seen from the air. Uh, you can't be that far from Hawaii. Uh, uh, at least you have the protection of the lean-to uh, tonight while you sleep. Wow! Max says... Shit, shit. I think stuck together. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, you, you got it? You good now? I'm good. We're, on, we're on page 76. Everybody on page 76? Jay, why are your pages stuck together already? It's... Shh. <laughs> You weren't supposed to read the book before today. Fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Max said, <laughs> staring up at the cave walls the next morning. These are amazing. Andrea is pacing back and forth, hands at her hips, squinting up at the higher paintings. Boy, I just wish I had my glasses, she says breathlessly. Even though I didn't do it breathlessly. Just incredible. The, in the, it's early morning. There's enough light to see more paintings than you could have the night before. My gosh, says Mac. Look! He points to a painting of a beach lined with uh, tall stakes. <coughs> Stuck on each stake is a human head with red blood pooled beneath. The image makes you uneasy. Or I too hope many power bars. Oh, sorry. I hope whoever uh, whoever made that painting uh, was drawing from their imagination and not reality, you say quietly. You stare for a moment at the small scene depicting two figures. A person and another large creature. A dinosaur? Can't be. A bird? Really big bird. Wait. Oh, shit, this... we're on Sesame Street. <laughs> Wait, this looks like the crested giant peacock. Thank you. <laughs> you notice its wide triangular beak, thick legs, and its horn-like cask atop its head, like the Australian <laughs> large peacock. <laughs> cassowary. Guess that word is cassowary? Yeah, large peacock. Mm -hmm. Andrea, Andrea walks, uh, wanders over to look with you. Oh, my, she says. Could this be... The large peacock? <laughs> it sure is, baby. What? I have a good feeling about this, she says with a smile. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The plot thickens. So you guys... Back pipes up from behind. <laughs> this is really cool and all, but we still need to focus on getting off this island. He's looking at you helpless. What if we're stuck here forever? He <laughs> says in a quieter voice. It looks like he's really worried. Like the eyes of the one that you kill. <laughs> Andrea sighs, but doesn't say anything. Mac! <sighs> Mac, you say. We're going to be fine. We have each other. And we have supplies from the ships. You try to smile, but he reminds you that the giant peacock aside, you are still shipwrecked. I have, I have an idea, you continue. Why don't we try to climb up this mountain? We'll be able to see the whole island. 
there must be something useful to us that we couldn't see from the beach. It takes the three of you about an hour to climb the steep few hundred feet of the mountainside. The sun is still obscured by thick, dark clouds, but the temperature and humidity keep rising as your hours pass. You are drenched in sweat, and you're followed by a cloud of tiny, obnoxious flies. Okay. The terrain is becoming more shrubby and rocky the higher you go. Uh, you skin on some lo- you skid on some loose gravel and skin your knee. Your legs are getting tired. You feel an odd vertigo, uh, like your body is too heavy while your head feels light and tippy. Whew! Andrea pauses and exhales. Welcome to the tropics. Back grunts and white swipes some flies off the back of his neck. Uh, you reach the clearing in the trees where you can see the mountain rolling away beneath you and the tops of the trees like little rounded broccoli clowns. Crowns, not clowns. Crowns. Totally crowns, not clowns. I'm going to memorize about broccoli clowns. <laughs> oh. Uh, you still don't have a vantage point on the other side of the island. <laughs> you all agree to keep going up the mountain a little further. As you take that next step, you experience the vertigo again. It's like there's a magnetic field making the air thick and heavy and hard to move through. The ground trembles slightly, but distinctly, and you hear a very deep, very faint rumble. Like a faraway thunder. Leave me alone. That's my thousands of sound effects. We loved it. Then it stops. And your vertigo is gone. Whoa. Did you guys feel that, you ask? Feel what? Andrea says, turning around in concern. Uh, yeah. Max says, looking around. And then asks, is this a volcano? Did you make me climb a volcano? (laughs) What? What did you feel, Andrea asks, looking around. Just then you hear a crashing sound in the brush up ahead. You're all silent for a moment before Max says, Great! Something else is about to kill me! Pause. Uh, Jay, if we were writing this, what would Max say when something pops out of the jungle? I, I don't know. Now what? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, God, yeah, sorry. I thought, <laughs> Dang, you, sorry. I, thought, I thought you wanted me to do something in uh, 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 Hispanic John Voight. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> now what? Yes, I agree. We now return you to our regular, our regularly scheduled uh, uh, Latino John Voight. Uh, Great. Something else is about to kill me. Oh, Mac, don't be so dramatic, Andrea says, and starts uphill ahead of you. Page 75. Turn back to page 75. This is a weird book. It is. Take a look at this. (laughs) Andrea pokes at something on the ground with a stick. You catch up with her on the trail. She's examining a pile of brown, shiny pellets, each about the size of a chicken egg. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> you lean close, then back away a little bit when you realize you're looking what you're looking at. Oh, wow, is that bird excrement, she says. And it's very large, which means it belongs to a very large bird. Larger than I expected. She sounds excited, but a little nervous. You can see here. Here, these are seeds. Uh, the, uh, it's been eating some sort of uh, fruit. 
Pause. Nice. Jay, what will we say here? Bird shit. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> Continue, please. Mac is hanging back, looking impatient and ancient. Or anxious. Not ancient, but he's probably ancient, too. He looks anxious. You guys, I think we should be heading back. What if someone sent a rescue team to get us? But we're not on the beach when they arrive. Andrea sighs. I'd really like to keep going. I came here for this bird. And if it, if it exists, I want proof. She sounds like she means it and looks at you with her eyebrows raised. Don't you? You think you feel the ground rumble again. But before you can say anything, you hear another crashing sound in the trees farther uphill. If you decide to go with Andrea to look for the crested giant peacock, turn to page 80. If you think it's best to stick with your goal of finding help and getting rescued, turn to page 89. <coughs> Where are we going, gentlemen? Well, go after we go the bird. The giant, if, we go, if we go look for the giant peacock, we're going to die. Uh, I think if we return to the beach, we'll survive. I don't think John we'll die. Too. I just think it's going to be more adventurous. Go after the bird. Okay, we'll go after the bird. We're going with John's choice. All right, we're heading after the for the giant crested giant peacock. Turn to page 80, everybody. Okay, Andrea, but let's be quick about it, you say. I want to find the giant peacock as much as you do, but it's not worth getting lost. Max size and resignation. <sighs> but follows along. You continue hearing sticks snapping and seeing rustling up ahead. You check behind you to make sure you're not getting too far off the path. When you turn back around, you almost walk right into Andrea because she is stopped at the foot of a giant boulder. On top of the boulder is the largest bird's nest you've ever seen. Dun, dun, dun. And I've seen some shit that turn you white. What surprises you more than its massive size are the baby birds inside its nest. Each is about the size of a fully grown chicken. Four fried chickens and a coke. And a cook. Under different circumstances, you would find their appearance almost funny. They're mostly featherless with bright pink wrinkly skin giant pop eyes and hooked beaks their tiny pointy wings have a few wispy white feathers poking out and they flap around helplessly in excitement while making a sort of hiccuping cheeping sound <laughs> that was my hiccuping cheeping sound you figure you've probably scared about, the chicks yeah happens to me all the time I'm sorry, say again, Jay. What about their giant Popeyes? <laughs> they are what they are, Jay. You figure you've probably scared the chicks, <laughs> but you hear another rustling sound behind you and you turn <coughs> and sneeze to see a bird twice as tall as Mac emerging from the shrubbery. A what? You know, now. you know immediately that this is an unknown species. It could even be some unnatural mutation, you think. 
or some thing prehistoric left undisturbed on the island for millions of years. It looks like you expected the crested giant peacock to look, except it is ten times bigger. You trust Adria's knowledge, but this is different. No one's ever studied Adria. this bird. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. See how Adria you want. Wait, what? Oh, wait, wait, sorry, wait, no, sorry. Turn the next page. I had two pages stuck together. Sorry. It looks just like you expected the crested giant peacock to look, except ten times bigger. I had I had pages stuck together. Mm-hmm. The bird, the bird glares down at you. You are intruders in its home. The blue green feathers down her back are iridescent, while the rest of her is a mottled, warm russet brown. Her feet are the size of truck tires. (laughs) Each one with claws the size of your forearm. Her bright eyes flicker with intelligence as she evaluates the three of you. And the crest on her head, bright red and the size of a serving platter, is everything you'd hoped for and more. Her bill is very wide and thick and probably strong enough to rip your arm off. Holy shit! As Mac trails off. He's as pale as a ghost. Andrea's expression mirrors yours, eyes bright with wonder. What what should we do? You whisper, looking uh, the giant peacock in the eye. Hold on, hold on. I know exactly what to do. One of us should try to speak to it. <laughs> Sorry. You guess. <laughs> you guess she's trying to figure out if you are a threat or food or both. Don't move, Andrea says firmly. Don't run. If you run, she'll think you're prey. And then she'll catch you and kill you. Mac doesn't look convinced. Don't move, Andrea repeats. If you decide to run, Turn to page 84. If you decide to stand your ground and obey the um, instructions of Sam Neill, turn to page 86. What do you think, John? Um, I mean, it's just a big chicken, right? Yeah. You going to fight it? Fight or run. I was gonna say I think we should stand our ground because you know. All right, we're gonna stand our ground, yeah, we're Scott. Gonna stand our ground. All right, we're yep. listening to Sam Neil. All right, right here, no further. Eighty-six, right? That's what we're going yep. to. Eighty-six. All right. I I think Andrea is right, Mac. Don't move. You say. You look at the giant peacock and think, "Don't be afraid. I'm not your inter- enemy." You reach into your pocket for an energy bar. The great, beautiful bird cocks her head suddenly at the movement of your arm. What are you doing? Mac whispers urgently. You said not to move. (laughs) Trust me, you say. If she wants to eat us, she'll eat us whether we run or not. 
you unwrap the energy bar very slowly and hold it out at arm's length. The giant peacock cocks her head the other way. Iron your hand very carefully. Then she runs at you full speed. You squeeze your eyes shut, but she stops short just a foot in front of you. She's leaning down, looking into your eyes. Your breath is coming in shaky waves. Please let this work. You think, please let this work. Then the giant peacock slowly, tenderly, carefully plucks the energy bar out of your open palm and swallows it whole. She stands up tall again, takes a few enormous steps around you and settles down in her nest next to her cheeping chicks. Mac drops to the ground. Andrea begin, bends down to help Mac up and gives you a grin. Nice job, she says. I admit I was nervous there for a second, but you you know when it charged us like an angry bull, you grinned back. <laughs> Me too. This is amazing, isn't it? The giant peacock hasn't forgotten about you. She glances up every once in a while from her nest, but she doesn't look worried. She trusts you now. She's preening herself while the chicks bob around her waiting for someone to feed them. Just then, your two-way radio crackles. Can anybody hear me? This is United States Coast Guard searching for the crew of the Albatross 3. Come in. Over. The shark is not working. The shark is not working. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong channel. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this is an official Coast Guard channel. I'm going to have to ask you to clear this channel immediately. This is for emergency use only. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, uh, affirmative. You shout into your radio. This is the crew of the Albatross fleet. Over. <clears throat> uh, reading you loud and clear, Albatross three. We've got a bird circling you. Can you take it over the beach? Over. A, a, a bird. Max says in alarm. You laugh. <laughs> Don't worry. That's military talk for helicopter. Then into the radio. Roger. See you on the beach. You take one last book and look. look at the giant peacock in her nest and wonder if you'll ever make it back here someday. And if not, whether the world will believe what you have seen. On your way to the beach, you find a two-foot-long feather tuck it into your belt, thinking bird DNA in the hand uh, is worthy of a family of birds in the bush. The end. Dun, dun, dun. We survived. Yay! Yay! I'm going to Hawaii. Yay! I'm going to Disneyland. Okay, so for the sake of continuing the show, we're going to back up uh, to our last decision, which was page eighty-three. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to decide to run. Had you decided to run, is going to tell us what happened. Run? We're going to run? Yep. 83? Okay. Okay. Page 84? Yep. Oh, it's short. Oh. Wow. It's very short. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. You trust Andrea's knowledge, but this is different. No one's ever studied this bird. Plus, your life depends on it. I can't. You whisper. Come out of here. Mac, you coming? On three. On Two. <coughs> Sorry. No. 
Andrea says. You and Max sprint in the opposite direction. Your fear propels you, and you're surprised at how fast you're moving. You wonder if Andrea is following you. So you venture a look back, but all you see is the giant peacock charging towards you like a freight train with her enormous, powerful beak trained on your head. It's a shame the world will never know she exists, but tonight, the baby giant peacocks will have the best meal of their lives. At least you got. At least you contributed in a small way to the survival of such a magnificent species. Uh, wow. I, I would like to point out that the expedition did much better under my narration. <laughs> you see that like narration has anything to do with the decision making. It did. Thank you very much. My okay. narration made the okay, whole thing. On. Just saying. Hold on. Here we go. Page 75. If you think it's best... Okay, if you decide to go with Andrew to look for the, the giant peacock, turn to page 80. you think it's best to stick with your goal? If you're asking to turn to right. page 89. Yep. Okay, here we go. So, hey, just hey, to hey. be... just uh, Hold on, hold on. So, everyone's following along. Because the story's gotten kind of choppy. So we're going back to where we had the, the choice of going with Andrea to look for the bird. Giant peacock. Mm -hmm, or a stick with the goal of just getting rescued that Mac suggested. Yeah. So now we're going to go with Mac. Okay. Okay. I agree. This is important. You say to Andrea with a sigh. But I really don't think we have time for this right now. <laughs> As you light another cigarette. Am I the only one that doesn't have a cough? She gives Apparently. you a hard stare. <laughs> she, she gives you a hard stare. Fine, she says, her lips tight, and starts to walk down the mountain at a quick clip. Descending the mountain is easier than climbing up. Well, no fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 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 You reach the clearing of the trees where you admired the view of the sloping mountain before. The sky has turned a bright, cloudless blue, and the sun is hot. You smell something spicy. You see... <laughs> out of the trees down below. Rescue, you think. But then you get a better look and realize there's an entire village below. Oh, below you. <laughs> below you. Thatched roofs. Thatched roof cottages. Mud homes. Cleared fields with dark soil. You could have sworn we're just full of trees a few minutes ago. You see people. People! Soylent green. All right. Down there, some working in the fields, some standing near the small houses. Children are running. You hear laughter. Ha, ha, ha. You smell cooking. Mm. You feel a sense of peace. I'm sorry. I apologize to our listeners and to you, John and Scott, for the next thing that's going to happen. You ready? Okay. Hey, you guys! <laughs> you shout. The three of you stand and stare. No? Alright. It's fine. That wasn't there before, says... Oh, sorry. That wasn't there before, says Mac. But it had to be, says Andrea. How could we... <laughs> I like how Andrea goes from British. How can we have not noticed, says Mac. <laughs> yeah, Andrea keeps getting recast, but, but Mac is staying the same. 
<laughs> you and Max are running down the path, with Andrea seeming hesitant, bringing up the rear. I bet. It must have taken you hours to climb so high, but it seems only minutes until your downward path levels out and you hear human voices weaving through the trees ahead. The sounds pull you through the jungle in desperation. Mac is ahead of you, but he has stopped behind a large tree at the edge of the clearing, his finger to his lips, warning you to be quiet. Andrea catches up, breathing hard. <laughs> Sorry. Leaning down with hands on her knees. Oh, come on, Andrea. There's a group of kids, teenagers maybe, working the soil in the cleared field not far away from you. They're laughing and joking together. Ha <laughs> ha! Did you eat that human? Together as they drag long poles through the dirt, <laughs> breaking up the clump. Out of a small structure, a hut with clay walls and thatched roof. At the edge of the field, it looks like a home. You see a woman with a smile, small child on her hip disappear through the dark doorway. If you think you're better off approaching the woman in the house, turn to the next page. If you think you should approach the kids in the field and ask for help, turn to page 95. Kids I, said, field? I said we go knock on the door. Really? Yeah. Okay. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm knocking I'm, on the door. Yeah, we're going to the we're going to the hut. They're approaching the woman in the house. Knock, knock, knocking on the woman's door. Okay, next page. Oh, uh, judging by this picture, I chose wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he chose. <laughs> he chose poorly. <laughs> Andrea leads the way toward the mud house. She walks slowly and deliberately, and you try to stay calm behind her. She peeks around the door and says something quietly. You and Max stay outside, but a second later you hear a blood-curdling scream. <laughs> and Andrea jumps back out, looking shaken. Bad idea, she says. Maybe I should get <laughs> I'm sorry. It kills me this is a ballet girl now. Before you can make this... <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> People are already running toward the hut. Before you can make an escape, you're surrounded by a dozen or so men with glittering weapons. Looks like you're not going anywhere. Without listening to your pleas, a group of tattooed men tie your hands and march you through the village. You stop at the same cave that you and Andrea discovered the day before. Deep inside the cave, you're led down a narrow stairway into a pit filled with prison cells. They put all three of you in the farthest, darkest cell. You're left there without a word. You wonder if anyone will ever come down to you. This is supposed to be your final punishment. 94. The next morning, you're awoken by the same group of tattooed men. You and Mac and Andrea are led out, of, led out of the pit, along with three other prisoners who, by their dirty clothing and skeletal frames, look like they've been down there a long time. I'm happy! <laughs> it's a bright, sunny day, and the morning air is cool and fresh. The other prisoners are mumbling monotonously as if in prayer. That was a big word. <laughs> You're heading towards the mountain, which has a cap of clouds obscuring the very top. After a treacherous climb made even more difficult and slow by the fact that your hands are tied, you reach the top of the mountain. It's a volcano! The crater is enormous and deep. The, the crater is enormous and deep. And Filled with a green blue, green blue pool of boiling water. Wait a minute. Water. You can feel the steam from here and you see the air rippling with waves of heat. All six of you are lined up with swords at your backs. 
Still, the sword pushes you hard as you fly forward through the steamy air. What? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. But just before you hit the water, everything around you dissolves into white mist, like a cl- like the cloud that covered up the top of the mountain. You wake up on the beach, tired and wet and sore. The wreckage of the Albatross Three lays out in front of you. Mac emerges, looking dazed. Andrea stands behind you. It's the shipwreck, you realize. It just happened. I've traveled through time. Was that all a failure, or is this another chance at success? To find out, turn back to page 10. Jesus. Holy shit. All right. Back to page 10. Back to page 10. Well, that's a hell of a thing. (laughs) What should we do, you say? Call the cops. I feel like they've already been called. I can hear them in the background. (laughs) What should we do? You say, it's getting dark. It must be evening. Your energy bar tastes like weirdly flavored cardboard. We should find a lot of her, Andrea says, absentmindedly. Pouring a handful under her feet. Some place to sleep, Mac adds. He's looking out at the ocean as if he'll find the answers there. You keep getting a weird feeling, like someone is watching you. Your scalp prickles, and your body has this jumpy feeling of anticipation. You look over your shoulder again at the dark jungle. You don't see anyone or anything, just a thick wall of leaves and vines. The island is supposed to be uninhabited, but still. Andrea finishes her energy bar and stands up. I really think water should be a priority. She says, we're all dehydrated. I'm sure I'm definitely not going in oh sorry. Definitely not going into those trees right now. Not if it's getting dark. Mac announces, shaking his head. Andrea sighs and looks at you. What yeah, I think I should uh, this sounds really familiar. I said we go after water. Nope. Why not? A, no, no, we know where that goes. We're building a shelter. That was just Page. a dream. There's no way of knowing it'll actually happen that way. Page thirteen. I have a, I have a weird feeling about what'll happen if we go for water. Page 13, okay. Andrea pulls a five-gallon bucket out of the wreckage on the beach. You would have used it for collecting scientific samples if everything had gone according to plan. Okay. Well, I can only bring so much water back by myself. She snaps, walking into the trees. Say this, huh? Sorry, sorry. Let me me rephrase that. Bye, bitches. Andrea's gotten really sassy since the first one. <laughs> what if she gets lost? Oh, shit, sorry. What if she gets lost, you ask, Mac? Oh, lost. Oh, there we go, reconnected. Okay. What if she gets lost, you ask, Mac? She'll be fine, Mac answers. Help me with the shelter, would you? Before long, you've managed to prop together several large pieces of, pieces of wreckage into a makeshift lean-to. Andrea has not returned. You keep glancing out at the horizon, hoping that you'll see a ship coming to your rescue, but none appear. You get a prickly feeling down your neck like someone is watching you. You turn back toward You take a deep breath and shake your head. Next page. Page 14. Page 14. Bye, bye. An hour later, you and Max sit by a small fire watching the stars. 
The sun has set and the clouds have dispersed, but the air is still heavy with tropical warmth. Andrea has not returned. Think she's okay, Mac? You ask. I hope so, he says. Maybe we all, maybe we should have gone with her after all. He looks genuinely worried now, which you didn't expect. If you decide to wait for Andrea, go on to the next page. If you decide to try to get some sleep, turn to page 42. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Let's just turn in. She'll be fine. Mm, I vote we wait for her. Oh. Remember, Scott, we've gone back in time where our goal here is still to hook up with Andrea. This is true. We've but... reverted. So, so definitely stay up and wait for her to but, more, you know, earn more brownie points. But once again, I'm 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 well over forty years of age. So no 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 no. no. We're all research uh, students at Miskatonic University. What you're, the saying character some, you're saying? You're thinking you're saying somebody over forty can't be a student? Is that what you're saying? You saying I can't go yes. back to school right now? You okay. have seen these illustrations, Scott. These kids look like they're about ten. I've. I moisturize. Really advanced for the rage, apparently. I bet you do moisturize. Okay. <laughs> Which what do we what do we do? All right. Let's stay up and wait. Yeah, wait up, wait up for Andrea. Go to the next page. Next page. You are exhausted, but you will yourself. You but you are ex- okay. Sorry. What? This is why I you are exhausted, you but are you exhausted, will yourself you will to stay yourself awake. Yourself I was getting there, there John. Don't steal my thunder. Today, Junior. Mac falls asleep in front of the fire and starts on fire. No, next to you. And then you start to nod off. (laughs) Andrea shakes you awake sometime later. You can hardly see her by the light of the dying fire. Andrea, were you getting? We were getting laid. (laughs) What the hell? What took you so long? Did you get lost? Are we deadly do right? What the hell? <laughs> Andrea, <laughs> were you getting worried? We were getting worried, you say. What took you so long? Did you get lost? I found a ladder, Andrea says quietly and points to the full bucket. She looks oddly calm. You stumble over to the bucket and scoop a handful after handful of cold, fresh water into your parched mouth. You feel guilty that you didn't go with her. Are you okay? You ask. She raises her like Gomer do right, I guess. She says lightly as if she had only been gone for five minutes. Then she heads into the lean to. You rouse Mac and you both join her in the shelter. I'll Three bet you immediately fall asleep. I bet. <laughs> Next page. In the safety of the lean to. In the safety of the lean to, you enter a deep sleep and dream. You are wandering a foggy landscape, part jungle, part endless beach. You're searching for someone. The fog. Tall stake stuck into the ground. There's a human head jammed onto each stake. They look like they're still alive. You know they can't be, but the eyes and lips are moving. You want to turn and run, but suddenly your feet are stuck in the sand like concrete. Sand below the stakes turns crimson with dripping blood. The breaking waves turn into a pinkish-green foam. You look behind you and call out for Mac and Andrea. Mac, Andrea. They emerge from the lean-to, but their heads are missing. Holy shit. You're <laughs> slammed with... The thing starts shaking. Mac is shaking you awake. It's morning, you dummies. Next oh, it was a nightmare. Next, 
Next. Oh, 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 I got two pages stuck together again. There we go. Next page. Wake up. Wake up. You'll never guess what we found. Max says eagerly. You sit up and recall your horrible dream. It's another dark, cloudy day. The mountaintop is still lost in clouds. Even though you were dreaming, you feel like you saw something go. Nightmare? We had them too, Max. <laughs> the, what the fuck? But hey, you found the raft. <laughs> Jay got bored with one impression and decided to switch it <laughs> mid-sentence. Got it. A raft? You ask in amazement and follow their gaze across the beach to an oblong white capsule about the size of an oil drum. It'll be flips when you pull corn out, Max says with excitement. Mac is now Russian. Got it. <laughs> uh, relatively speaking, we're not far from Hawaii, Andrea says. It might be worth a shot. The current should bring us close enough to the shipping lane at the very least. You feel an instant surge of hope and relief. But looking out at the empty ocean, you're also worried. What if you get lost? Or another storm hips, hits and the, the raft capsizes. Go to the next pillar. There's not many decisions right now. We're coming up on one. We, if we could reach Hawaii or a ship, we'd be okay. But isn't it dangerous? It might not be as bad as you think, Max says thoughtfully. Life rafts are really high tech these days. They're designed to hold a lot of people afloat for a long time. We'll have enough roof. We'll, we'll even have a roof when it inflates. Another storm could do us in, but hopefully we can reach safety first. When did Mac become Inspector Fuso? Mid sentence. <laughs> oh, I was shit. thinking about exploring the island more before we decide, Andrea says. Remember that shipwreck down the bitch? You follow Andrea's pointing finger. You see a part of a wrecked ship with broken masts and drooping sails. You wonder how old it is and whether there might be anything useful or interesting on board. Whew. Okay. Do you think it's best to set out on the raft for now before wasting any more time? Turn to page 20. You're hesitant to venture out into the water. Want to explore the shipwreck? Page 25. Go to the shipwreck. Yeah, let's go to the shipwreck. We're on the shipwreck. Uh, let's page get the weight team together. I need uh, Commander, uh, I need Captain Couric, uh, yeah. Mr. Spock. Commander Scott and Ensign Ricky. Uh, check out the ship. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Let's check out that shipwreck, you suggest. Mac looks disappointed but follows you and Andrea. It takes 20 minutes to walk all the way down the beach. Up close, you realize the ship is massive. The only part of it is intact. You can see the whole desk. You used to build model ships when you were a kid. You think of some of their names. Briggs, Schooners, Clippers. But those were all smaller and built for speed. This one looks like a galleon, one of the biggest merchant vessels ever built. They sailed all over the world during the 1600s and 1700s. You also remember that Manila galleons, which regularly sailed and traded between the Philippines and Mexico, discovered many small island chains in the Pacific on their journeys. You've read many legends about ships like this that were lost with treasure on board. I feel like that page was co-written by Commander Scott, where it just slipped into like a brief sailing lesson and then on to our story. <laughs> you walk very close to the ship and shudder. 
feeling a cold draft. The ship's upper deck is mostly unbroken and extends a, about 150 feet from end to end. The whole front of the hull rests on a rocky outcropping. The wide boards and dry faded gray with are dry and faded gray with salt and sun, and the broken pieces remind you of ragged teeth. The rear of the ship suffered most of the damage is now mostly a pile of jumbled wood. One small mast remains. It's shredded in the sky. You glance at Mac and notice his eyes are fixed on the prow. The bow spirit at the very front of the ship is still intact and points far out over the water. Figurehead below it is carved with a bed angel. Be robed. Oh, hey, be robed, angel. <laughs> Rearing lions. Jesus Christ, I am a math teacher. Yeah, There's another figure of the bow spirit itself. You realize with the chills. <laughs> I'm sorry. And tied tightly to the wood with thick fraying rope. Uh, <laughs> you know, be, barrow bed? Barrow bed. Be robed. Okay. Sorry. Let's go. Go ahead. The, the other word is bow sprit. Not, not, not hey, bow hey. spirit. <clears throat> First of all, reading aloud, you've never seen a page before, can be tricky. Bow spirit. No, not bow spirit. It's bow sprit. Sprit. Oh, shit, it's there's only a... one eye in that. <laughs> Second, as Jay has clearly established, he doesn't do words. He does numbers. <laughs> there's only one eye. It he also has been reading for a while. Yes. Jay, if you want to tag out, let me know. Yes, yes, there's <laughs> only one eye in sprit. You keep saying spirit, <laughs> which is two eye. Too late. It's too late. You notice the skull is missing a large piece of bone as well as the lower jaw. You wonder whether exploring further is a good idea, but you can't stop. Just a Mexican silver on board. Page 30. Jesus. You spot Jay, you want to tag out? Rope hanging over the... I got this. You just... Okay, okay. <laughs> you, got a... you, you spot a thick knotted rope hanging over the side of the ship. You give it a sharp tug and decide it's secure. You, you climb up hand over hand. Andrea behind you, but Max stays down below. When you pull yourself over the top, you take a few careful steps in each direction, testing your weight on the boards. Back. Come on up. It feels sturdy, you say. Nah, he says, I'll stay here, Captain. What are you even looking for? This is illogical. So now Max, that's your spot. Okay. Max shouts up to you, sounding worried. This is probably, I think I should come down. The careful scientist part of your brain agrees with Mac, but another part seems to have hijacked your senses. If this ship was a galleon, it was either carrying payment or merchandise, and that means merchandise, and that means a 50-50 chance of treasure. Oh my god. So much reading. Do you <laughs> want to tag out? <sighs> I just, right now, I just feel sorry for your students, because if you have to read this much in your lessons, like, my god, 
the, just the, the 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 variance of cadence. Like you you change tempo like sixteen times. In <laughs> Jay, you want to tag out? Well, well, be quite. Okay. I juiced weight <laughs> to loc Arun the bite. <laughs> I apologize to our audience who's actually mm. still listening to us at mm-hmm. this point. <laughs> okay, go ahead, John, if you want. Okay. We'll be quick. I just want to look around a bit. You holler back to Mac. You follow Andrea as she crosses the deck and ducks through a dark uh, doorway into one of the cabins below. It's empty below deck, as though it was ransacked of every crate, rope, or piece of furniture that might have once filled it. Chances are the treasure's gone too, you think. You look at the ship itself. The wooden boards are smooth with age, and the detailed carving around the doorways evokes another era. It is so different from the sterile white metal construction of the Albatross Three. The boards creak beneath your feet, and you hear the wind whistling eerily through the holes in the hull. On second thought, I'm not sure this is a safe either, you say, peering at the thick cobwebs in the dark corners. I mean, this is amazing, but it could really collapse at any moment. <clears throat> Return to original Andrea. Oh, I don't know. It seems sturdy to me, Andrea says, slapping the doorframe. Let's go a little further. <laughs> she gives you a sly smile. Swear to God, I, this writer knows what I'm taking over. I like it when she gets she, she wants to go just a little further. <laughs> you pass through a low doorway into another empty I miss, room. I miss, I miss Valley. Suddenly you have a splitting Valley pain in your head. A ringing in your ears and everything in front of you vibrates and blurs. You blink to clear your vision and notice the room feels warmer. The wood is burnished and new looking. You glance at your right. A candle burns on an ornate desk covered with long rolls of ivory paper, and a man with long curly hair and dark green with long curly hair and a dark green suit is sitting on the desk with a quill in his hand. He looks up at you and tries to speak. Blood seeps through his fine white shirt, dripping down from ear to ear, slid across his throat. You gra- you gasp and step back as his head thunks onto the floor and rolls to your feet. His brown eyes are open wide, looking at a blood-smeared silver rapier. You shout and stumble back into the room Andrea's in. <clears throat> You're white as a sheet. What happened? But you can't speak. Only shake your head and point. Andrea walks past you and into the room, and you look over her shoulder. But it's empty. Wow, look at this. Andrea bends down and picks up the beautiful silver sword covered in rust instead of blood. I, I, I saw, you begin, I saw a, a head, the, the sword, the, the, there, there's blood. <coughs> that lung I coughed up. Andrea looks at you in alarm. Are you feeling okay? She's sorry, sorry, I'll do one for Jay. Are you feeling okay? She asks. <laughs> I guess so, you say, sounding anything but. Andrea continues through the other doorway. You don't want to be left alone. You coming, she says. Asks. If you follow Andrea, turn to page 36. If you're feeling too uneasy, and tell Andrea you're going to head back up on deck. Instead, go to page 39. Oh, I'm following Andrea. Oh, yeah. With, something, oh, with a beckoning like that, how could you not? <clears throat> okay. 
<coughs> following Andrea, that is page 36. You follow Andrea down six or seven stairs into the long, cavernous space that smells like sea salt. She takes careful, creaking steps and holds the rusted sword out to one side. You follow and notice shapes leering in the darkness ahead of you and the few glints of light that have flittered all the way down here. As you get close, you realize they're human skeletons, their wrists and ankles bound to the sides of the ship in rusted iron shackles. Oh no, Andrea, look, you say, stopping uh, stopping in your tracks. But she doesn't stop or even turn around. You try again. I don't like this. I'm going back up. Just a little farther, she says. Oh my God. <laughs> Swear to God, I didn't write this. Don't you want to find the treasure? <laughs> Swear to God, that's what's written. I'm not making this up. <sighs> Had you said anything about treasure to her? <sighs> Your eyes had all the talking. Uh, you kept going, not wanting to be left alone. Without warning, Andrea whirls around and pushes it, mm, pushes you up against the slimy wall, <coughs> pressing the sword to your throat. She's getting kinky. Eight. <clears throat> There's no escaping now, Andrea says in a cold voice you don't recognize. Oh, she did again then. <clears throat> There's no escaping now. Andrea says in a cold voice you don't recognize. You dared to disturb, disturb our island. And now you'll never leave. You'll never tell anyone about the things you saw here. A A Andrea? You stutter. What are you talking about? What are you doing? It's me. Andrea? Is that the name of the foolish woman who stumbled into the jungle all by herself last night? The face before you has subtly transformed. It's not Andrea at all, but a young man with long black hair and a huge scar across his face. You shouldn't have come here. That man you saw with his head cut off, he made the same mistake as you many years ago. I took care of them. Sadly, this old blade isn't sharp enough to cut off your head. But I've got another idea. The man with the scar snaps a set of iron shackles around your wrists and steps back, sneering at you. You tug hard. <laughs> you tug hard, but the chains are thick thick and heavy. He laughs at you, a dry, cruel laugh. Then, without another word, he turns and walks away. You hear footsteps above you, and you wonder if it's him or it might be Mac coming to rescue you. But minutes pass, and no one comes. You shout Mac's name, even Andrea's name, over and over and over until your throat burns to even breathe. You are alone. In time, your bones will also adorn the inside of this ship, gleaming white in whatever sunlight might ever reach your remains. Dun, dun, dun. Nice. Oh... That was some fun deaths. So, well, just to recap, we died on page 61 where we got bit by a snake. Uh, we found the giant chicken and, and were rescued on page 87. We backtracked, found the giant chicken and got killed on page 84. We somehow jumped through a, tall, uh, jumped through a volcano and time traveled on page 94. And we got killed by a possessed pirate ghost, Andrea, on page 38. 
I would like to point out that we found the giant chicken and were rescued under you know my direction. Thank you very yes. much. Yes, yes. The most boring ending was under Scott. Yep. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I I would like to point out. I would like to point out that the most entertainment was had when I was narrating. Okay, so. If by entertainment you mean um, we realize Jason has dissociative identity disorder, <laughs> anytime he has to read aloud, uh, even in mid-sentence, he will change character on you. I don't know what you're talking about. Just listen to the playback. You'll hear it. Are you, are you saying it wasn't entertaining? Is that, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> Entertained, yes. Confused, more so. Who's the Russian guy talking? Where do they come from? Oh, that's Mac? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's easy to follow. I do like how we all gave Andrea a different accent, though. <laughs> I think mine was the best, simply because I had the best dialogue to work with. You I, I don't know. Dialogue. I, I don't know. I liked my improvisation of bye, bitches. That was good. Yeah, that was good. I, uh, I can only do female female voices uh, when they're British. I don't know yes. why, but I can only do a British female. That is certainly weird, Scott, and I would hate to draw more attention to that. Uh, so, God. did you guys have fun with that? <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to. I want to know all the fifteen endings now. Well, we got through five of them in 90 minutes, so I'm proud of Sorry, us. I was skimming through some of the other scenarios that were... Oh, Jay! I just can't help it. I can't help myself. Uh, well, so if you like this, what I'm saying is there's no shortage of, of uh, stories that we can run through if you guys enjoy this. So let us know, did you like this format? We'll tweak it. We'll get a little more honed in. We'll get a little better. We'll see if we can keep Jay a little more on focus when he does his accents for characters. Uh, we'll probably well, fail, but yeah. And um, also, and also, if people are so inclined, let us know which Andrea did you prefer? Did you? And I was just gonna did, say that. Yes. Did, did you prefer breathless innuendo, Andrea? Uh, snarky innuendo. Yeah. <laughs> did you prefer awesomely British, wonderfully British, the bestest British, Andrea, or did you prefer? snarky valley girl andrea it's just curious just just saying british andrea is the best so just to refresh your memory we're all going to give a sign off as our version of andrea so jay sign off as your version of andrea well also i was going to say you know maybe they prefer my sort of haphazard connection with uh, <coughs> uh, voices and accents for characters i mean Okay. Anyway, bye, bitches. Peace out, Scott. <laughs> Righto. Well, you all have a good evening, and I will see you later. Thanks for listening. Come again. <laughs> Until next time, this has been your weekly <laughs> Weird Nerd Alert.